Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. Today's podcast is brought to you by G3 Conference 2018. Right now, if you go and register for the conference and use the code BAR, you get $40 off of your registration. You don't want to miss this conference located in Atlanta, Georgia, from January the 17th through the 20th with great speakers such as Stephen Lawson, Vody Bakum, and many more. Go now and register. Don't forget, use the code BAR for $40 off. Enjoy the bar. Yo, welcome to the bar. Come on and pull up a seat and open up your Bible. What a wonderful feast. The living bread and we're discussing what it means for the streets, the inner cities and the burbs and every person we meet. This is where we challenge worldviews that we hear from world news. In light of the scripture, we are here to serve you. We're your source for resources to help you on your way as you battle mean forces. This is for the people who can see the importance of sound theology and the scripture that support it. And this is for the truth lovers, biblically reforming, preaching Christ to the nations. Yeah, welcome to the modern the reformation yeah the bar biblical and reformed welcome everybody to the bar it's your boy Dwayne in the building right back in here another tuesday super super excited to be uh coming through your speakers right now your favorite podcast the bar we are biblical and reformed and i am uh, uh so uh happy and excited to have on the guest today um very 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 uh, uh i guess i could say I, i'll say important uh i did some research on them before uh just doing some some really good workout uh for the body we have uh mr tim how are you sir i'm good Dwayne. good to be with you sir yes sir uh the way i like to start it off uh just to keep from you know prolonging any dead space uh just kind of introduce yourself to my listeners uh whatever you want to talk about whether it's professional or personal uh just uh just a little mini bio snippet and we'll go from there sure i'm tim bailey um i'm one of the pastors at a church that's half uh Presbyterian and half Baptist up in Bloomington, Indiana, home of IU basketball and the Kinsey Institute and the music school. I've been here as a pastor for about 25 years. Before that, it was up outside of Madison, Wisconsin. I did my undergrad at UW-Madison. Originally, my wife and I are both from Wheaton, Illinois. We've been married Hmm. since 1976 and her dad was the guy that did the Living Bible and the New Living Translation, and so her family owns Tyndale House Publishers. 
And uh, my father was also an editor and writer and publisher. We have five kids. They're all married. And by God's mercy, <laughs> they all love the Lord. Oh. Awesome. <laughs> and, yeah. And so far we have, I can't remember whether it's 23 or 24 grandchildren. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Uh, first, let's uh, let, let's talk about uh, the church, uh, your church that you're a part of. You said it's half Presbyterian, half Baptist. How does that work? I think that's the probably first time I ever heard that. Yeah, it works beautifully. Um, I myself was Presbyterian Church in America um, mm-hmm. for many years. Um, I'm not any longer holding my credentials there, but this is a church. We have about 100 kids under the age of five, so it's a young mm. church. Um, and I would say about half of our elders and maybe a little under half of our pastors are Baptists. I myself am Presbyterian, but we are Westminster Standards with freedom on the time and mode of baptism is, is the granted exception. So it really works beautifully. We have a pastor's college. Okay. Um and it's always interesting when the guys come and enroll in the pastor's college to see whether they end up Baptist or Presbyterian. <laughs> and and we we have good discussions. I cannot ever remember it getting acrimonious, it getting nasty. Um, right. We joke about it a lot, but what I tell people is that the Baptists can do a better job of explaining the biblical basis for infant baptism than most PCA people in the South. (laughs) And I'm absolutely serious about that. And the Presbyterians can give a better defense of Baptist commitments, credo-Baptists, than probably Mm -hmm. most Baptists can. So it's very sweet. I think it demonstrates the unity of the Reformed Church today. Right. Yeah, that I mean that sounds beautiful. Uh just in my personal journey, um, um I, I came out of the charismatic world and it was a Presbyterian pastor that walked me through the Westminster and you know, I had a mm-hmm. background in Baptist and you know, so that, that's that's really interesting to me. Um one of the things uh when when people say Tim Bailey uh that keeps coming up is uh fatherhood. Let's let's jump right in on that. Um that's that's one of many I'll say because because uh, there's some other stuff that I want to touch on but you know we only got thirty minutes mm-hmm. so I try my best to yeah, uh, sure. navigate it best we can so uh, as far as fatherhood first um, I guess for my listeners we're gonna also put some links in the uh, show notes uh, let's talk about some resources you have available uh, in that category and then just kind of uh, some high points of things that that may be beneficial or things that you may have discussed or talked about uh, on that subject. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. As far as resources are concerned, I think you're referring to a book that came out this past year called Daddy Tried. Um, yep. I spent years writing that. I wrote and wrote and wrote, and I produced a lot of crud because when the editors got a hold of it, they cut about two thirds of my text. <laughs> Mm, and it's still wow. a pretty long book. <laughs> um, wow. But it's, it, it, you know, if I have a book that's my art, it's that. Because I grew up with a dad who was out on the road speaking at all the conferences. You know, he was mm-hmm. one of the famous Christian celebrities. And uh, he was gone a lot. And it was hard. Um, so I 
from the time I've been young, and he was a very good father. Don't don't make any mistakes right, about right. that. But you know, I lost three brothers when I was growing up, and when the third brother died, he was a student at um, at Swarthmore and National Merit Scholar and Godly. And when he died, my dad just sort of. I don't know how to say it. He, he, it's almost like he lost the will to live and intimacy with his mm. family became very difficult. He didn't abandon us, but it was mm-hmm. almost as if he became somewhat of an emotional invalid for a few years. Um, right. So anyhow, I grew up very much aware of my own, what I call father hunger. Um, mm-hmm. And so I began to listen for it in other men, and I specifically began to listen for it in comedians and entertainers. And wow. I was amazed to find that it, it's just a constant among people that, that are entertainers, especially comedians. Right. And so because so much of my life has been spent around universities, living in Boulder and Boston and Madison and now Bloomington, you have a lot of young people in your church, a lot of students, and what you realize is that young men and young women, I'm not going to minimize the effect of father right. on young women, but young men are just craving some sort of older man who will take some responsibility for them and help them. And I also realize that what they mean by help is that they want to be loved through discipline. Mm-hmm. It's really counterintuitive because, mm-hmm. you, you know, you think, well, don't discipline them. Just tell them, right. job. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. It doesn't cut it. If a guy has father right. hunger, he wants you to admonish him and rebuke him and exhort him. He doesn't just want the positive, you know. So anyhow, over mm-hmm. the years, I began to write this book because not because I, well, I don't know how to say this, not because I thought I was a good dad. But because I mm-hmm, thought mm-hmm. that from watching and praying and working in this as a pastor, I had some understanding of what the challenges were for dads. So the book right. really is the reason it's titled Daddy Tried. It comes from the book where I'm talking about my own dad as a little boy. I say Daddy Tried. But the whole point of the book is to get people to be willing to fail in the right direction. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't sound very positive, but so many guys that have grown up in broken homes are so afraid of failure that they never succeed. And I I always tell young men that failure is vastly underrated. Mm. I don't know what I've learned without failing. (laughs) You know, you'd like to think you learn just, you know, just by hearing what the truth is. So. The book is a book on fatherhood. It talks about the fatherhood in the home, the fatherhood in marriage, fatherhood in the church, and fatherhood in in, in the world, in the public square. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, it's it's my heart. I love the book. Um, I love people reading the book. I recorded it myself, so if people don't want to read, they can just go on Amazon and download it. Um, I, I wanted to 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 jump in right here, man, because that that really speaks volume uh, to me. Because something I've noticed, uh, and and you know, everybody is no secret, you know, in African American community that you know fatherlessness is at a, a, a unbelievable rate, and 
just in my personal uh, journey with friends and brothers of Christ, brothers in Christ that uh, that grew up without fathers, you know, I've seen both extremes, you know, like I've seen the guys that, like you said, they don't want to try with the fear of failing. And then I've seen guys mm-hmm. that were like, you know, I'm not going to be like my dad and like we're like super dad. You know what I mean? Like, I know they're not perfect, but they really mm-hmm. put forth, you know, a, a really valid uh, 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 effort for their family. And I'm encouraged by that because actually I grew up with a father uh, very much involved. Uh, very, very much, you know, there a part of it. Um, but, but like you said, you know, there's still some areas that that I see that we're lacking, and then I, I fear that I would be the same way, mm-hmm. you know. So, what, what, what would you say? I guess to me, I know it's not a counseling session, but you know, uh, just just dealing with that and and my fear of of lacking in those areas in my family. Two things. First of all, there's an old quote that says that children that begin by loving their parents and then they judge them, do they forgive them? Mm. I think a good part of becoming a man or a woman, as opposed to a child, a boy and a girl, is realizing that we need to not be bitter and not to judge our parents harshly, but to forgive them. You know, Jesus Mm. ends the Sermon on the Mount, if we don't forgive others their sins, our Heavenly Father won't forgive our sins. And so we have to forgive our parents. We can't live in bitterness. We can't live in fear. We have to forgive them. But the second thing is we've got to be very careful not, not living in a prison of trying to never reproduce our parents' sins. I, mm. My perception is that most of us that try not to reproduce our parents' sins, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. We end up reproducing our parents' sins. Because we're so fixated on not reproducing our parents' sins, it's almost like those sins assume a larger-than-life reality, you know? And and, and we we just—we have to plead with God to change us and not try to not be our parents, because, you know, the genes are going to (laughs) out— <laughs> you know, the fact is, all of us as we get older, more and more see our parents in ourselves. You know, That's and true. our kids see this, and so what we have to do is ask God to take the edge off our parents' sins as we live, mm-hmm. not expect that we're not going to do what they did to do to do. You know, <laughs> but rather sort of um, say, Father, Father in heaven, please help me to be kinder or to be gentler or to be more firm, you know, because a lot of guys need to be more firm than their dad was. Their dad abandoned their discipline to the mother, right. whatever it is to plead with God. And I'll tell you this, when I had my son, my oldest son, Joseph, and I've just spent the whole afternoon, he's a co-author of, this, of the second book that we did called uh, The Grace of Shame on Homosexuality. When he, mm-hmm. he was here all day today. And we worked together, and as we worked, I got irritated at various points because it's a tense work we're working on. And I right. just remembered the times when I was, you know, when he was a teenager, and I would get angry at him that he didn't understand things quickly the way I wanted him to, or that, mm-hmm. that he hadn't, you know. And, and, and what I did was I asked an elder in our church, would you please pray for me? Because <laughs> I was so frightened of having a son and blowing it completely with him. And I think we just underestimate prayer and God's mercy to us. 
So those are the two things I'd respond. You know, yeah, all our dads fail. Right. We will fail. All the dads in Scripture fail. I spent a lot of time going through, you know, the accounts of Scripture and showing the failures of Scripture. And a lot of them are really serious, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's so true. That is so true. Wow. Um, man, that's encouraging, too. That's encouraging uh, for me, you know, because I have four kids myself. And, um, right and, and, and yeah, uh, I'm, I'm all, I didn't quite catch it. So, you know, the jury's still out. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm actually a, uh, a dispatcher right now, but by the time this records, I will be a uh, driver recruiter. I just got a job offer at the same job to be a driver recruiter. So this is air in November. So when you're listening to this guys, I will be a, driver recruiter and i don't know anything about it yet brand new yeah one of my one of our elders here owns four trucks and one of the former pastors here and runs a logistics uh company out of florida that's what he does is 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 i don't know how you call it but you know assign roads and Mm -hmm. do stuff like that yeah, but yeah, that's, that's good work in that you're probably home a lot, right? Uh, yes, yes, I'm. I'm definitely home a lot. Uh, I do. I, right now, I'm working nights as a dispatcher, but uh, I'm home during the day. I have two really small ones, an eight month old and a uh, three oh, three year old. So we spend all day together um, right now, and, and it's it's awesome. I really enjoy that. That's beautiful. Um, Fatherhood's but, wonderful. It is, but um, let's let's talk about the uh i think it what's the title of the book uh shame or grace of shame the grace of shame yeah Yeah. shame is a gift the grace of shame right right yeah let's 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 kind of introduce my my listeners to to that title and 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 a little bit about that okay um thanks Dwayne. um this book is just being released today this is the day all right and if you and if you go online uh, to warhornmedia.org or com. Uh, I can't remember which it is, but W-A-R-H-O-R-N, Warhorn Media. If you Google it, you'll find it. Um, you can download for the first 30 days a free PDF of the book. And this is a book, uh, the subtitle is Seven Mistakes or Seven Errors the Church is Making in Loving Homosexuals. Um, all through my life, I, my wife and I have been involved in caring for and loving and um, working with people who who have temptations and, and sin in homosexual ways, lesbians and, and gay guys and people people like uh, of various LGBTQ things. Because, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Boulder and Boston and Madison and Bloomington, and actually it started right when we first got married in 76, in our small group in Madison. Anyhow, um, and Bloomington is one of the five most uh, sort of gay cities in the country because of the music school and the Kinsey Institute. So even though it's in the Midwest, Hmm. it's very, very intense. And my wife lived in San Francisco for a time, and I lived in San Diego. Anyhow, uh, because of our experience in these different cities, We've always been involved in, in, in rejoicing over the repentance of homosexuals and calling people tempted by homosexuality to repentance. And mm-hmm. it's been very clear to me in the last couple of years since the Supreme Court's Obergefell ruling 
that there's been a, a, a complete change in the way the, wor- the, the church is addressing homosexuality. And m- most people don't pick up on the change, but, you know, we're very sensitive to the change. And the change is coming uh, on the part of some of the most famous names in the Reformed world. And I'm not going to mention any names because immediately everybody's okay. going to say, you're an idiot. They're going to say to me, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. These people are the gold standard, <laughs> pastoral leadership, you know, and stuff like that. But the truth is all of us, it says in James that not many of us should desire to be teachers because we all fall in many ways. And this right. is true of pastors and famous leaders. And what's going on is everybody is, is getting into a movement that calls people tempted by homosexual desire to publicly announce that temptation and to live out as people with homosexual desires and just not to insert their body parts in the wrong holes. Now, I put it that Mm. graphically because I think when we talk about sexuality, we need to think body parts. Body parts Mm -hmm. have a way of anchoring reality in a way that words are loosey-goosey, you know? Uh, And so I always always explain to people that if you want to be faithful to God in your sexuality, start by looking at your body parts and what they do, how they're made. mm -hmm. And then live out loud day by day is your identity. Live out loud your body parts. Okay. Mm-hmm. And immediately that means that except for, you know, a tiny, tiny microscopic group of people who don't have uh, normal body parts, everybody knows what that means. It means right. for women to be receptive, and it means for men to take initiative and to bear responsibility. Okay? Mm-hmm. And what's going on, though, today is that everybody's saying that identity doesn't matter, that you can be a soft man, you can be effeminate, you know, that you can have womanly tastes and womanly habits and womanly gestures and womanly ways of speaking. And, you know, just don't put the wrong body parts in the wrong places. And they're reducing sex to just mm. simply keeping the outside of the cup clean. Okay. Wow. And giving a pass to guys that live out at liveout.org, livingout.org. It's a UK site, but it's taken the whole reform world by storm. And so you have all these people now. And, and what I tell people is, look, that's not right. It's not helping anybody who has been involved in sodomy or lesbianism to make them feel cool and hip about talking about it publicly and putting them on the lectern to talk about it you know, and the reason is that uh, incest is shameful. Now, yesterday I preached about this because I was ending a series on First Corinthians. And so when I say mm-hmm. incest is shameful, you're thinking, well, like, dude, I thought we were talking about homosexuality. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we were. But I did the, I did the change to get our minds into the fact that nobody's trying to get people to live out.org because they love incest. Mm. Right. You see what I'm yep. saying? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. why are we doing it with sodomy and lesbianism? Mm. Scripture always associates those sins. What about, mm-hmm. for instance, bestiality? 
is it okay if I go on the UK, you know, thing that Gospel Coalition is promoting as livingout.org, and, 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 and I begin to go to conferences and tell people I like sheep? Mm. But, I, but I don't have sex with them. I'm celibate. <laughs> uh, wow. No, it's not going to work. <laughs> no. You know what I'm saying? Or wow. how about pedophilia? That I like little boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, look, we have to stop being precious about our language mm. of sodomy. We just must mm-hmm. stop it. And the reason is it doesn't help people tempted by sodomy and lesbianism for us to change our language and start talking about alternative lifestyles and gay and all this other stuff. Because what that allows us to do is to forget all the words of Scripture that God uses about it. And myself, I believe in, I hold to inerrancy. And so what I want to do in this book, and I have two co-authors, my son and a professor and pastor from Germany named Jürgen von Hagen, what we try to do is we try to explain to people that if we have a high view of Scripture, then we need to believe that the words the Apostle Paul used in ancient Roman Empire, when stuff was every bit as decadent sexually as it is today, every bit as Mm -hmm, as decadent, mm -hmm. that if he talks about it being an abomination, unnatural, he talks about it being, uh, you know, um, evil lusts and all these words that are just very, very stark and and they shake you, you know, the words do, that we can't all of a sudden get real precious. And and so that's the point of the book. The point of the book is wow. one chapter is on sexual orientation, you know, where one of the famous reform guys says, I now believe in sexual orientation. And so we have a chapter on that. Another uh, chapter is on the issue of how the ESV translates malakoi, which is the Greek word, and it's always been translated uh, effeminate. But they've changed mm-hmm. it and taken it out of the Bible in the ESV. And so we have a couple chapters on that. We have a chapter on, quote, gay Christians, you know, talking about how no Christian should identify himself as a gay Christian. We have right. another chapter on godliness is not heterosexuality, explaining that in point of fact, what people normally mean by heterosexuality is what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, when he says, Act like men. Well, actually, Mm. that means act heterosexual and not homosexual. Another one is a chapter on reparative therapy, where we talk about um, how some reform men have come out and said, we're against reparative therapy. But reparative therapy is simply telling young children, act like men, act like women. That's that's what it is. And it's getting... Uh, criminalized all over the country. So this is the point of the book. The point of the book is to say, look, if you guys are going to reduce homosexuality to simply body parts, you don't begin to understand the fact that God makes us male and female, and that part of holiness is to live out loud the sex that God made us psychologically, emotionally, in our intimacy, in the way we take responsibility, in, in giving birth to human life all of these things. And so that that's kind of the point of the book. Gotcha. Wow. That is, that's so awesome. Just as you was talking, I, I think I'm going to make a decision to, to drop this 
episode a little sooner um just so people can take advantage of the uh you know get getting their hands on the copies and everything i i'm definitely going to bump that up that is really good um i know we're right here at 30 minutes i need to take a, a quick break and then we'll we'll get ready to close out right here in too many churches there is this divorce between the pulpit and the choir loft but music and preaching are not to be in competition with one another Music in the church is to be an extension of the ministry of the world. Join us this January as we spend an entire weekend focused on the practical components of discipleship. It's a conference for the local church. Reserve your seat and book your hotel by visiting g3conference.com. All right, we're back at the bar, your favorite podcast in here with uh, uh, Mr. Tim Bailey and um, very, very great uh, discussion. We've been we've been talking. We went from fatherhood, uh, one of his books, all of these links. Let me say this now. All of the links will be in the the description, uh, the link to the to the blog. Uh, You also we also have a direct link to the book. Uh, through uh, Amazon and and now that we're Amazon affiliate, you know you you bless him by buying the book. You also bless this podcast by using our link. So make sure you ch- go check all of those things out. So much fun uh, uh, with you, Pastor Tim, and and uh, and like I told you, that thirty minutes runs away with us fast. And um, and, mm-hmm. and I'm so grateful that uh, that you were you were able to come on. And big shout out to Jake uh, for setting all this up for me. Uh, one of my Facebook friends. Uh, put me on uh, 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 Mr. Tim and, and got this all coordinated. So big shout out to Jake for doing that. So uh, I want to give you my two uh, signature questions. I call them bar signature questions. Uh, two two little little uh, fun questions that we do at the end. Uh, and the first question is, what kind of music do you listen to? <laughs> uh, every kind of music there is except rap my sons listen to rap i don't like rap but uh gospel um bluegrass jazz um rock i love early music you know baroque i love mm-hmm. romantic um i don't like modern classical at all um i love blues I was at a. Oh, right. I was out having a beer with a couple friends right before I was supposed to call you, and I thought, well, should I just take call you from from uh, <laughs> having some 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 brewskis because they were yeah, playing man. blues really loud in the background. <laughs> thought, well, that might not go real, over real well, but I, I, mean, I like just about everything, honestly. That's awesome. That is awesome. It would have been a nice little, uh, you know, music in the background during our interview. You to stay, man. You I know, love we might Big get Walter that Horton. Out. I love. Big oh, Horton. nice. You ever heard of Big Walter Horton? Yes, sir. I have. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. The first concert we, yeah, the first concert we ever took our oldest child to was was a blues guy, Albert Lee uh, Collins, um, up in Madison. <laughs> oh wow, that's funny. That is too funny. All right, sir. Second uh, signature question. Um, what kind of podcasts or sermons do you listen to other than maybe yourself and people at your church? Well, uh, this is kind of embarrassing. No problem. Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> well, the only podcast I've ever listened to is a podcast we just 
put out called The World We Create We Made, The World We Made on Warhorn Media. And the reason I mm-hmm. listened to it is because I I was recorded for it and mm-hmm. um when I'm listening, what I listen to is books over and mm-hmm. over again. Like I just recently got done listening to uh Boswell's Life of Samuel Johnson. Um and so I don't listen to podcasts a lot. My kids do. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as sermons are concerned, I also don't listen to sermons. What I do is I read them. Gotcha. And, gotcha. and the favorite person I love to read their sermons is uh, obviously are Martin Lee Jones and John Calvin. Right. I think John Calvin's sermons, I don't think anybody would believe what his sermons are like if they know Calvinists, because the sermons are so tender and so helpful and so pastoral. They're not, they're not a bunch of uh, pre you know, it's not a bunch of declarations of this mm-hmm, doctrine and mm-hmm. that doctrine. It's right. just so pastoral. Wow. And so I'd say Lloyd-Jones and Calvin are my two favorite. I, I love John Calvin, and the reason is everything he writes comes out of his pastor's heart. And mm-hmm. I think too many of us as pastors today want to be intellectuals instead of loving our sheep. Wow, that's really good. That is really good. Wow. Well, since since you don't really listen to podcasts, and my, my running joke always is, you know, start listening to the bar. But I'm going to tell you to tell your kids to listen to the bar podcast, since they're the ones that listen to podcasts. How about that? I will. I will. I promise. It's, good deal. I'm old. <laughs> I understand. No problem. Hey. I, <laughs> no problem. Just like I said, just 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 tell your kids about it. That that'll be awesome. I will. I absolutely will. Yes, Don't sir. Worry. All right, sir. Well, I want to thank you again uh for your time, for pulling you away from the blues uh, uh bar and the brewski I, I think i might have called and rescheduled if i was where you were but uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i do appreciate you doing that for me um and you i want to know why you... we were there you know why we were there we yeah were there. This, this guy that's the co-author of this grace of shame and my son they, mm-hmm. they live out of town one was in germany and the other was in cincinnati and they both came mm-hmm. into town last night so we could get together and celebrate. So that was a celebration nice. of the publishing of the book today. Sorry. Wow. That's so awesome. So, so awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to give you the floor, man. Uh, last couple of minutes, anything you want to say to my listeners? Uh, any Anybody you want to shout out or anything like that before we get out of here? Well, I like what you've said about the black community. Um, I have a friend named Mark Robinson who just did a conference down there in South Carolina last weekend. Oh, wow. At, at a PCA church that Andrew Dion and, and Michael Foster, two of my friends. Yeah, had. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark is like 45 and unmarried. And every time I talk to Mark, I say, Mark, dude, what's the sense of being a godly, biblical, reformed black man if you don't have sons? <laughs> wow. And he gets irritated with me, but man, <laughs> we listen and you know, he says, "Well, I'm I'm open, you know." So we've got to find the woman, right? But I really right. do believe, listen, I really do believe that in America today, the man with the greatest moral authority is a black man who's a believer. Mm. And so I would say to you, have children, raise them. 
But white America follows black people in cultural tastes in so many ways. And we really have no defense against a godly black man who disciplines us and calls us to follow Christ. And so I'm very grateful for your work. I know it's, you know, you're not supposed to talk about race and all this, but the fact is I'm white, you're black. And that means that you have an authority that I don't have. And I would call you and your listeners who are black to not make shipwreck of your faith and Mm -hmm. to trust God to call this country to Jesus Christ. Don't don't squander your moral authority on racial issues. You have the mm-hmm, authority mm-hmm. to use it for Christ. Hey, Amen. Wow, that's that's so awesome. Really good. Wow. All right, <laughs> brother Till, you 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 bless my heart really a, a whole lot right there. Uh, thank you again, uh, listeners. Man, rewind that, listen to it again. Cause that's that's pretty much the bar is built on. Um, uh, we we're not chasing you know uh social wars you know we're all about the gospel and uh leading people to christ so god bless you again sir thank you for being on yes sir to my listeners thank you guys for checking us out another edition of the bar podcast make sure you guys come through every week every tuesday we drop a fresh new show we'll see you next week What's up, bar listeners? It's finally here, the bar exclusive content. Yes, that's right. You can sign up to receive exclusive content as low as $2 a week or $5 a month, $50 for the year to get exclusive content. What is the exclusive content? I'm glad you asked. The exclusive content is additional information from my guests, extra time with them in like the green moon setting, laid back, them asking me questions, I ask them questions, and also the Facebook group. You get a invitation to the Facebook group where we will have discount codes for the bar gear and many many more make sure you sign up the links in the show notes join the vip inside the bar group and we'll see you there